I've got three little dots that change the world. I've got some stuff that we don't know. I've got loads of that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Welcome to Date Fight, the show where we pitch great moments of history against each other. He's Jake Yap, I'm Nat Tapley, and we are going to just hurl history at each other. Yeah. Stuff that happened on this day. Yeah. And What's the best thing that happened today? Let's find out. It's time for round one. Round one! I'm going to take you back to... Do you want the happy ones, sir? Oh, no, they're both sad. Okay. I'm going to take back to... Most history is quite the, sad in yeah, the end, isn't it? But tough finding the happy ones. The ending is generally he died. Yeah. yeah. And, well, I say he... For all of us. Very deliberately. Yes. Yeah. Trying to gender balance these death days and birthdays is a nightmare. But I do admire how... So come on, women. Do work. more important stuff that gets on Wikipedia. Oh, my God. <laughs> all right, then. Let's go to the 12th of December, 1963. When Kenya gets its independence of the UK. Hooray! I've got that one too! Do you? Yes. Good. It's a rare moment. It is a rare moment. Do you have the bit before that when Mm. the British put 80,000 Kenyans in concentration camps in the late 1950s? Uh, do you know, funnily enough, I was going to sort of... Uh, You're going to wash that. over that bit well, and starve to meet both of them. As far as we know, 80,000... Of course, we don't know exactly how many people because uh, there was a programme called Operation Legacy, which meant that we burnt all of the colonial records before leaving so that no matter what we had done, yeah. no one would ever know. It applied in every single colony we were in. So when we left India, the cloud of smoke hanging over the imperial offices in Delhi lasted for two days because wow. of all the documents that were being burned. Wow. In most of the African colonies, we took them to the deepest part of the ocean and sank the documents so that no one would ever know what the true nature of the British Empire was. It's almost as if we were deeply, deeply ashamed no, we were of very atrocities proud. we'd committed. <laughs> we were very, very proud. proud. So proud that we wanted the undersea beings of the Marianas Trench to know, to know exactly. the full glory of the British Empire. <laughs> ah. We only know the scale of what we don't know because in 2009, some Kenyan war veterans uh, sued the government to try and get some documents and the National Archive had to say, well, although we are a an archive of things nationally, um, there are lots of empty shelves. Like, there, there's a whole missing shelf of things that should be there and just aren't. So we know what we don't have? No. We no, don't we don't know what, know what we, we don't have. have. That's wow. the worrying thing. We know what we do have, which is bad, but we don't know what we don't have, which is even more worrying. I was going to talk about Jomo Kenyatta, the first Prime Prime Minister and then President, Mm -hmm. which is kind of cool. Not many people can say they've been Prime Minister and President, I suspect. No. And uh, I thought his early life was bonkers. I'm sort of moving on from, you know, concentration camps. His (laughs) early life was quite bonkers. I'm bringing the room back. Um, So he was uh, born to Kikuyu farmers and educated at a mission school. But he did various jobs. So in 1929, he travelled to London to lobby for Kikuyu land affairs. Mm -hmm. But then in the 30s, he went and studied at Moscow's Communist University of the Toilers of the East. (laughs) It's lucky there wasn't a misspelling there. Yeah. Oh, this is the toilets of the East. You want next door. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yeah. And the London School of Economics. And then uh, in 1938, he published an anthropology an anthropological study of Kikuyu life, before then going and working in Sussex as a farm labourer during the Second World War. And then ended up being Prime Minister and then President. Amazing. Extraordinary. Um, 
So half point each. Those are the rules, half mate. I, d- I, listen, I didn't make I don't them. make the rules, <laughs> except I did. Yeah. So that takes us to four and a half, two and a half. Four and a half, two and a half. Yeah. So let's do the birthdays. Yeah. Happy birthday to Sammy Davis Senior. <laughs> See what you did there. He was a dancer who was also the father of Sammy Davis Junior. Also, happy birthday to his. Can son. I just try yes. to butt in? Mm, butt away. I think Sammy Davis Junior. Yes. I sort of thought he was a bit of a joke. No, he's honest. the best one. But he was incredible. He's America's Bruce Forsyth. No, but that's... I'll take that. I love Bruce uh, No, Forsyth. Bruce Forsyth always compares himself to Sammy Davis Jr. Okay. Okay. In many interviews, he... Well, I always sort of... You know, the only times I really sort of saw anything of Sammy Davis Jr. was when he was kind of doing all of his Rat Pack business. Yeah. And it was all kind of, hey, you crazy cat, with hey, the sort of scripted yeah. banter stuff, which was awful. But uh, then I saw Sweet Charity and mm-hmm. him do the, the yeah. Rhythm of Life and going... This is amazing. It's yep. really dark and weird and amazing. I always felt like he suffered from being in the shadow of Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin, mm. who were inferior talents, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and he was dealing with all of the kind of Especially racism. Especially Dean Martin, who really is yeah, pretty much effort. He's phoning a lot of things in before there are even phones. Barely conscious. <laughs> uh, in fact, I'm coming on to that. But... Um, yeah, I, I just, I, I suddenly found this new respect for him. And also, he, he was kind of the only person who kept uh, tap dancing mm. going as a, as a genuine kind of cultural thing. Yeah. In terms of ownership in, within the black community. Yeah. He was, it, sort of, the thread narrowed to just him at one point, And he was teaching the next generation. He's an amazing man. He's brilliant. Anyway, come on. That was his dad. <laughs> oh, yeah, him too. Yeah, happy birthday. Also, happy birthday to, yes, his son's less talented friend, Frank Sinatra. <laughs> Mob connected crooner, Frank Sinatra, who would have turned 104 today. Wow. Yeah, that's he, he did pretty much everything his way, though, right? Yeah, precisely. Whatever he did, it was his... Well, it was as long as it was John Gotti's way, really. But mm. as long as the mob agreed, yeah. then he did it his way. I mean, you can check the analytics of this podcast and see how many listeners we have in Sicily, can't you? Yeah, happy okay, mafia yeah. listeners. Yeah, just checking, just checking. <laughs> also, happy birthday... Oh, it's uh, Entertainer's Day. Happy birthday to Dionne Warwick. I love Dionne Warwick. She's yeah. one of my favourite people, named after a yes. Midlands or Northern town. <laughs> I was going to say, Warwick Castle is the only better. <laughs> There's, uh, there are other ones. I can't remember any of them. Uh... Cutting Crew. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Belinda Carlisle. There we go. That'll do. That'll do. That'll do. If you can think of any, then just... Why don't you tweet Not us? Quickly. Yeah, tweet us. Tweet us at date underscore fight. Yeah. Uh, with the name of your American stars who are named after... Northern, Northern and Midlands towns. Northern and Midlands towns. <laughs> we will not accept anything even slightly outside the Midlands. No. Happy death day. Death days to Tallulah Bankhead, who was famous for her husky voice, which she maintained by smoking 120 cigarettes every day. Wow. That takes commitment. That's commitment. And a bucket. She lived till about a million as well. Amazing. Uh, happy death day to Dee Brown, who wrote Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee, the uh, book which detailed the many, many atrocities done to the Native American peoples during mainly the 19th century. Okay. 
And also, happy death day to Joseph Heller, who wrote Catch-22. And then wrote Catch-23 or something. Didn't he write a sequel, like, yeah, quite sequel, recently? Yes. And um, wasn't it rubbish? I don't know. Well, someone, when he wrote his next book after Catch-22, which was called Something Happened, I think... Um, <laughs> so <laughs> that happened! <laughs> <laughs> but someone came up to him about ten years after Catch-22 and said... Why have you never written a book as good as Catch-22? To which his response was, because nobody else has. Oh. I like that because it's both bragging and aggressive. (laughs) (laughs) It's the best kind of bragging. (laughs) That's the death days. They're all dead. They ain't coming back. That's them. Okay, I'm going to take you back Mm. to the 12th of December 1901. Ooh. And the Italian physicist and radio pioneer, mm. Guglielmo, Guglielmo Marconi. <laughs> My name is Marconi. Uh, he su- I don't know what's going on. He succeeds it. We're drinking more wine. We're having fun. the same as Samuel Morse? Yeah. He succeeds in sending the first radio transmission across the Atlantic Ocean, disproving detractors who told him that the curvature of the Earth would mean that you couldn't send anything more than 200 miles because it would just go into space, mate. space, yeah. Just go into space, mate. Uh, Gravity doesn't affect waves, radio waves. Yeah. Marconi. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And all they sent was the Morse code signal for the letter S. It travelled more than 2,000 miles from Paul Du in Cornwall. To? uh, To Newfoundland in Canada. What? Yeah. And I, I remember seeing a documentary about this, and he had to... Because there were no capacitors. Right. I don't know anything about electricity. No, right? I, know, I, you, I know you this. need a capacitor, though. Yeah, it stores electrical charge and then discharges it when you need it right. to kind of make a doot impulse right. kind of thing. And th- they didn't exist. Nowadays, right. it's a tiny little thing on a circuit board. Uh. He had to use these enormous metal plates. Like they say nowadays, when actually, clearly, that's the way they were in the 1980s. When we were <laughs> Last time nowadays, yeah, 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 yeah. Now it's all just, yeah, it's little tiny in insects the cloud. inside your phone. But uh, he had these enormous metal plates, mm. like 20 foot by 50 foot high, to store the charge. Right. To send, the, the, you know, literally, they held the electric charge in them and then discharged it. And... Uh, yeah, so it was December the 12th, 1901, and he got the message. So he was uh, in Newfoundland mm-hmm. in Canada, and it won him worldwide fame. And and brought us Steve Wright in the afternoon. Well, that's the thing, and his accent, the transatlantic <laughs> accent, of course, was the absolute best thing uh, that happened. So what happened was that Marconi believed that the radio waves would just go round the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the tractor said, no, mate, it's going to go off into space. Don't talk to the tractors. neither of them were exactly right, because it, it did head off towards space, but it bounced off the ionosphere. Mm. Uh, that's what happened. And when he died in 1937, on the day of his funeral, the Bierbierschir, mm. all of their radio stations were silent for two minutes in commemoration. <laughs> Which is sort of ironic. How does anyone because, know? Yeah, well, it's like... <laughs> like it, well, it's radio's like, not yeah, working. The guy who was the famous... The BBC's awful. Yeah, the guy who's famous for making radio stopped it for two <laughs> minutes. But there's an irony, right, which is just very briefly mm. to say that what he did there yeah. arguably was better than almost everything that followed, particularly in the 30s with the BBC. Because... He's trying to say it beats whatever I've got. Well, the BBC, you know, radio... Yeah. 
then went analog. What a huge leap they felt it was when they could right. convey speech. Yeah. But actually, he was doing first DAB. It was digital. Yeah. It was ones and noughts. Exactly. But then we actually took a retrograde step in going into the world of analog. Yeah, but before that way we finally we did came have back to that man again, rather than deep, 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 And which deep, would you have rather? Deep, deep, deep. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, then. That's true. Uh, I'm going to take you to the 12th, all the way back to the 12th of December 2015. Oh. I might even conceivably be able to remember that. I don't know. When humanity signed the Paris Agreement on Climate Change. Did it? It signed it. (laughs) (laughs) In which all of the world committed to try to... Voluntarily have less than two degrees warming in the future. Although, if that were impossible, we would try and get to one and a half degrees. But if it got to two, we'd be very, very cross. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, feel really bad. And it was much better than the Kyoto Protocols. The Kyoto Pro- Protocols were binding legal agreements which everyone had to follow. Oh, silly. Which is so silly 1990s. That, yeah. So this the Paris Agreement was voluntary and everyone could set their own targets and their own timetable and decide their own means of doing it. But even that wasn't rubbish enough for Donald Trump, who withdrew even from that in 2017. Beautiful. Beautiful uh, in clean 20, call. <laughs> in 2017, they, they also uh, analysed how well they'd done in the two years since the Paris Agreement on Climate Change and discovered that no industrial nation had implemented any policy or hit any target as a result of it. So that is the Paris Agreement on Climate Change. The voluntary agreement to stop the end of the world. I feel that's my point then. I think it is your point. Because nothing happened. Because mine does mate. Yeah, mine was in no happened. way significant. Amazing. Well, that takes me then to uh, a huge three and a half. But then I am, I'm clawing my way back up oh there because word. you're on four and a half. Mm-mm. This could happen, mate. I'm quite excited. I'm not. We'll be back for another date fight tomorrow. I do hope you'll join us. Uh, perhaps that's definitely morning coffee and not mulled wine. <laughs> Definitely, 100% Lord Sugar. Uh, See you tomorrow, I hope. Uh, If you haven't subscribed, now would be a great time. If you could rate and review it too, that makes a whopping great difference. Huge amount of difference. Yeah, so um, you you do that. if you work for The Guardian, rate and review it there. That's a (laughs) tip-top tip there. And if you don't, maybe maybe Maybe. apply for some jobs at The Guardian. Probably unpaid now. (laughs) Everything is. (laughs) Here we are. Uh, We'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Uh, Bye.